Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hey guys, your host Matt Perry here to talk about our new sponsor for Old Time Radio Forever, and that is the Mermaid and the Lion podcast. The Mermaid and the Lion podcast is a perfect fit for Old Time Radio Forever fans because it is the rebirth of the audio drama. The Mermaid and the Lion is a love story, and it's beautifully crafted and told. Be sure to check out the excerpt from the Mermaid and the Lion podcast that will play in between our two old-time radio shows on today's episode. The Mermaid and the Lion podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, and there's an Apple podcast link in our description. Listener discretion is advised for adult content and profanity. That is the Mermaid and the Lion podcast on all of the podcast directories that you may choose. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Say, Ethelbert, what's today's date? It's the 17th, Casey. How do you know? Because tomorrow's the 18th. It's a famous day. What do you mean a famous day? It's the anniversary of the famous ride of Paul Revere. Did I hear somebody say famous? Why, I was just going to talk about something famous. Is that so? Sure. Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Box of Death. Three o'clock in the morning, a darkened street deserted, except for a uniformed policeman languidly making his lonely round. In the middle of the sidewalk, he sees a large wooden packing case. He stops, reads a stenciled inscription on it, and then angrily enters an apartment building and rings a doorbell marked Superintendent. Is... Is that you at the door, Fred? This is a policeman. Policeman? Yes, open up. Just a minute. What is it, officer? Does uh, Mrs. George Donald live here? What? I'm Mrs. Donald. You, you haven't brought me bad news. I'm giving you a summons for blocking the sidewalk with that big box out there. Big box? A wooden packing case. Someone will break his neck on it. But I don't know anything about a wooden box. It's got your name on it. Come and see. Okay. You know, for a moment I... I was afraid you were here about my husband. Why should I be here about your husband? He hasn't come home tonight. I, I've been waiting for him. Huh. He must be an awful chump to stay out when he's got a wife as young and good-looking as you are. <sighs> he doesn't usually stay out. Say, the, uh, the super of this house is named Swanson. What are you and your husband doing in this apartment? Well, Mr. Swanson has rented us a room in his apartment until we can get a place of our own. Well, the old housing shortage, huh? Yeah, well, there's the box, Mrs. Connell. See, it's got your name and address on it. But I, I haven't the slightest idea what's in it or who left it here. This sounds awful screwy to me. Yes, it does to me, too. Officer, open it and see what's inside. Yeah, maybe I'd better. As heavy as it looks. The lid is loose, just tied down with ropes. Cut the rope, officer. Cut it. Okay, but what are you acting scared about? I don't know, but... Cut that rope, quick. 
now. Lift the lid. Sure. Oh. Holy. A man's inside. A dead man. He's been shot through the head. Oh, it's Fred. My husband. Fred. Well, then, Captain Logan, I took this girl, this Mrs. Donald, as she called herself, back here to the super's apartment where I got on the phone and called you homicide, Dixon. When I got through phoning, I couldn't find the girl. She scrammed out through a window. Now, letting an important murder witness get away isn't going to help your record, Costello. Wait a minute. Don't blame the cop, Logan. He had no reason to figure the gal to take a power. When I want your advice, Casey, I'll ask for it. Oh, okay, now. She isn't such an important witness, Captain. There's hardly a thing that she could tell you that we don't already know. And you keep out of this, Miss Williams. What did you just say? Hmm. <laughs> Annie remarked that we could tell you a few things, Pat. You? Mm-hmm. Costello. Yes, sir? Report to your precinct station and stay on call for further orders from me. Yes, sir. And next time you meet a woman who identifies herself as Mrs. George something or other and then refers to her husband as Fred, you get suspicious and hang on to her no matter how good-looking she is. Yes, sir. Now get out of here. Yes, sir. Oh, Casey, give. And you too, Miss Williams. Oh, you're... Asking for our advice? I'm demanding whatever information you have. Well, he's entitled to it, Casey. Yes, he really is, Annie, but at times he has such bad manners. Will you cut the comedy? I'm in no mood for it. Okay, well, in the first place, according to the witnesses, Mrs. George Donald could have had no part in the murder of her husband. I know that. Now, wait a minute. She was too crazy about the guy she married to do him any harm. How do you know that? Because we recognize the dead man in that box. It was Fred Lister. Who and what was Fred Lister? He was a small-time crook, Logan. Never mixed up with anything big enough to bring him in contact with you homicide guys. While he was alive, that is. Up to a couple of months ago, he was a kind of errand boy for Lucky Carson. Yeah, I've come in contact with Lucky Carson plenty of times. Not close enough to pin anything on him. Yeah, go on. Tell me about this Fred Lister. Well, he had the good taste and the bad judgment to fall for a gal that his boss liked. Lucky? Yeah. A gal named Ella Hagen. Hat check girl at the Silver Derby Club. Both Ann and I knew her. She's a nice kid. Fred Lister became a nice guy after he met her. He left the bar, got an honest job, and he and Ella were married. Casey was told that Lucky Carson was pretty sore about the whole thing. Oh. I was also told that Fred and Ella had been tipped off, that they'd better pull a fade out. Well, apparently they took the tip seriously. They were living in this joint under an assumed name. But they didn't hide well enough when they did their fade out. You two think this Fred Lister was killed at Lucky Carson's order? That's yeah. right. This job is just the sort that lousy rat would pull on a gal who'd thrown him down for another guy. Yeah, I'll issue a pickup order for Lucky Carson right away. Mm, then what? I will try to get something on him. Optimist, aren't you? That rat can't get away with murder forever, Casey. Come on, we'll go to headquarters and wait for him to be brought in. <laughs> Why are you always picking on me, Captain Logan? It's time you got wise to yourselves and lead off. I'll lay off after I'm able to prove something lucky, and you're out of circulation for keeps. That statement implies the malicious persecution of my client, Captain Logan. You keep out of this, Webster. Uh, and that's another thing. Of course, it was mere coincidence that your lawyer was with you when my men picked you up this morning. Sure. Purely coincidental, Captain. I happen to be spending the night at Mr. Carson's apartment. And three others of my mob, uh, my business associates, was with us. Someday you'll slip up on one of those phony alibis. You should realize that, Webster, and stop playing with trouble. You've got more brains than Lucky and his kind. Who says Webster's more brains than me? You heard me say it, didn't you? I... He's trying to get you sore, Lucky. <laughs> now, don't fall for it. Now, since you haven't a thing on my client, we'll be leaving here, Captain. So long, Captain. Ah, poor Fred Lister was a nice punk. I'll be sending a swell hunk of flowers to his funeral, and I hope you get whoever bumped him off. Only I doubt if you will. Don't be too sure. <laughs> okay. So long, Casey. And Miss Williams. Oh, lucky. Yeah. Hey, what's that thing on your watch chain? You've been rubbing your fingers over it ever since you came in here. It's my luck piece, Casey. Your luck piece? Yeah. It's just an old Indian head penny with a hole bored in it. 
but I wouldn't sell it for a hundred grand. <laughs> I followed on the street one day when I was a punk. It's brought me luck ever since. Look at me now. You're lucky he thinks it's a reason for his success. Well, for a long time now, I ain't been able to hire and fire brainy guys like you. And I mean I have. Well, I wasn't saying that you weren't right about it. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Open the door. Oh, sure. Sure, Lucky. Get smart, Captain. Lay off me from now on. Get out of here, both of you. <laughs> so long. Those lousy rats. And there isn't a thing I can do to them. That lawyer Webster's really worse than Lucky because he knows more. Uh-huh. Lucky doesn't like anyone to say that, Annie. Hmm, I noticed that. I never knew about that Indian head Penny before. Well, nearly all crooks carry something they think brings them luck. <laughs> doesn't look as though you'll pin Fred Lister's murder on Lucky, Captain. No. From where we sit now, Miss Williams, there isn't a chance. I don't agree with that, Logan. Hmm? Why not? I'm going to have a talk with Fred Lister's wife. With Lister's wife? Yeah. I think I can find Ella. We're a close friend of hers, Annie. Well, why haven't you said so before? You know I want to question that girl. Uh, questioning her won't get you anywhere, Logan. I want to tell her a few things. Bruce Judson had no right to tell you I was hiding here in her apartment, Casey. You knew I wanted to help you, Ellen. Nobody can help me. Fred's gone. I... I loved him, Casey. Now he's gone. Yeah, you've had a rotten break, kid. I guess you've got an idea who killed him. I know who killed him. Lucky Carson. Yes. When you skipped out on that cop this morning, I figured you wanted to pay Lucky off uh, personally. Right? That's my business. You know, Ella, murder is murder. Even if it happens to be Lucky Carson. I have a plan to pay him off. I think I have a better plan to pay him off than you have. What do you mean? Well, Lucky considers himself quite a guy. He wouldn't be too much surprised if you paid him a visit, a, a social one. He's got a big yen for you. Talk straight. All right, Ella, I will. But don't tell me my idea's crazy until you've thought it over. Now, here's what I want you to do. Not all glass is alike. In fact, there are almost as many different kinds of glass as there are flowers in your garden. Some glass is produced for fragile beauty, others for sturdiness. And Anchor Hawking, the world's largest maker of household glass, produces glass of all kinds. The particular glass we're going to talk to you about tonight is Fire King Oven Glass, which combines beauty and sturdiness to an unbelievable degree. Now, you use Fire King Oven Glass for baking and for serving. It's so impervious to heat that it's guaranteed for a full two years against oven breakage. And the special Fire King process makes its surfaces actually mirror smooth. Fire King Oven Glass won't absorb baking stains. It won't absorb baking odors. It comes clean miraculously. Now, big two-quart Fire King Oven Glass casseroles pie plates, mixing bowls, and utility dishes of all kinds are now available at your favorite chain, variety, hardware, and department stores, all at incredibly low prices. Fire King Oven Glass is a product of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. Did you say wants to see me, Slug? Ah, uh, that Dame Ella who was married to that punk Lister till night before last. Mm. Show her in. No, okay. no, wait, Slug. What's eating you, Webster? Are you nuts, Lucky? That Dame came to your apartment before her husband's even buried for just one thing. You. She knows now that I don't stand for no crossing up. Dames go for guys who taught them a lesson. Some dames don't, and this Ella... Ella, I'm not dope. Bring her in, slug. But don't take your eyes off her. If she pulls a phony move, you know what to do. Yeah. Okay, Lucky. You get behind that screen, Webb, and watch her. Oh, I'm not one of your bodyguards. You better be if this babe tries a fast one. 
You carry a rod, get back at that screen and keep it ready. Well, okay. Not that I expect any trouble. Here's the thing, boss. Hello, Lucky. Ella, this is both a surprise and a pleasure. Of course you know about Fred. Yes, and I'm awful sorry. I hope you didn't pay no attention to what the papers hinted, that I had something to do with his killing. They had to admit that the cops turned me loose right after they picked me up. I read the papers. Wait till you see the big floral piece I'm having sent to the undertakers for poor Freddy. It's a poily gates ajar, Ella, done in gardenias and white roses. It'll set me back over a grand. It'll show what I thought of your husband. I realize what you thought of him, Lucky. Now look here, baby. Don't try to kid me, and I won't try to kid you. I made a big mistake when I married Fred. You've proven that to me. Now I've learned my lesson, and... Do I have to be afraid of you, Lucky? You afraid of me? I I had to come here today to find out. You, You won't hurt me, will you? You won't hurt me. Ella, honey, you ought to know I wouldn't. Here, you sit down on this sofa. Put your head on my shoulder and have a good cry. There, that's right. Oh, Lucky, I've been so afraid. Ah, forget it, kid. Why, I wouldn't let no one hide a hair of your head. All I want is we should be pals. I, I consider that a, a great privilege. Yeah. How about a kiss, huh? To make it a contract? No. No, not, not now. Not till after Fred is put away. Oh, I appreciate your sentiments. They show you ain't no common, Bimboella. But we'll get together after the funeral, huh? For dinner, here? Tomorrow night. Okay? Okay. I've got to go now. So soon? Well, it, it wouldn't look right if I stayed any longer. Now. Besides, you've given me what I came for. Your friendship. Thanks. The pleasure's going to be all mine. Not altogether, Lucky. So long. Show the lady out, Slug. Uh, sure thing. We're making an oily dinner, babe. Seven o'clock. As soon as you can ditch the pallbearers. You can expect me. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> you can come out now, Webb. Oh, thanks. Well, she didn't try no fast ones, did she? No, you were right. I was wrong. That's the way it usually is. The dame's gone, boss. I sure got to hand it to you. I get what I want, Slug. If not one way, I get it another. Webb. Yeah. Run over to my caterer's joint and tell him to fix up two dinners for tomorrow night. And be sure he has crepe Suzettis. They'll be appropriate for after the funeral. Get going. Ah, uh, see here, I'm your lawyer. You're man. whatever I tell you to be. On your way. Oh. All right, as soon as I get my coat. Boy, I sure envy you, boss. It'll be nice having that cute little chick all alone. Uh, you was born lucky. No, I wasn't born that way, Slug. I was always unlucky. Till one day I found this, uh... uh it's... It's gone. Huh? My penny. My Indian head penny. Penny? And my luck piece. Look for it, Webb. You too, Slug. Okay. It must have fallen on the floor. I know it was hanging on my watch chain just a few minutes ago. Well, I don't see it. Look for it, you dopes! I was rubbing my fingers on it for luck when Ella come in. So I'm sure I... Ella. What's the matter now? She took it. Stole it. That dirty little double crosser. Wait till I get her with my lucky penny. Come on. We're going after her. And look out, boys. He tripped over that footstool. Yeah. His head hit that piano like. Is that cold? Flat on his puss. Yeah. Flat on his puss. Gee. I never knew Lucky to meet with an accident before. Hey, it's funny, ain't it? Don't let him hear you laughing when he comes to. I ain't laughing. I mean, it's funny him taking a nosedive right after he lost his lucky penny. Yes, Slug, it is funny. Wonder what he'll think about it when he comes to. <laughs> Thank you.
telling me about sending that gal Ella to Lucky Carson's apartment this afternoon. Oh, yeah, but... yeah. Well, I nearly finished, Ethelbert. Yeah. Well, she clipped the luck piece off his watch chain, <clears throat> and I was waiting for her outside in my car, and she got in. I took her back to her hideout, and that's all there was to it. You figure losing that engine head penny's going to bother Lucky a lot? I think it'll do a lot more than bother him, Ethelbert. He's a dumb guy and a superstitious guy. The loss of that luck piece will drive him haywire. Mm-hmm. And when a crook in Lucky Carson's position doesn't watch every step he takes, well, he only has to make one mistake, Ethelbert. Yeah, which the cops will be watching for like a bunch of hawks. Captain Logan knows about your scheme, huh? Oh, sure. He's giving Ella Lister plenty of police protection, too. You've told him why she's hiding out? That's right. Well, Lucky's pretty sure to figure that she took that penny and he'll try to get it back. Tomorrow he'll be tipped off to her hideout accidentally on purpose. And then, unless I'm completely wrong, he'll make his mistake. Say, uh, what's she done with the penny, Casey? I have it. Ella hates Lucky so much she didn't want anything around that belonged to him. Let me see the thing. There it is. Yeah, it's just an old penny with a hole in it. You think it's really lucky? Of course not. <laughs> How could it be? Uh, luck's mostly a matter of belief, pal. Self-confidence, I guess. You've got it or you haven't got it. Well, I don't know about that. I'll give you a buck for this penny, Casey. A buck? <laughs> Look, if you want the thing, I'll give it to you, Ethelbert. You will? Well, sure, it's yours, yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah, but don't let Lucky Carson know you've got it. You might find yourself in a spot. Oh, I won't let nobody know I've got it, except you, of course. Okay. Well, come on, Annie. It's getting kind of late. I'll drive you home. Okay, I can do with a little sleep. Yeah. Well, good night, Ethelbert. Good night, Casey. Good night, Miss Williams. Good night, Ethelbert. Where'd I leave the car, Annie? Across the street, dope. Oh, yeah, I see it. Boy, I'm tired, huh? Hello, oh. Casey. Uh, look. Uh-huh. Evening, Miss Williams. Hello. I want you two should meet one of my boys. This is Big Slug. How are you? I'm okay. You already know Webster. Yeah, nice to see you two again. So nice, we're keeping you with us for a while. Keeping us with you? Hands in their pockets, Annie. They've got guns on us. That's right. We're all getting into this car here. Like old friends. You first, Slug. Casey next. What's the big idea? We'll talk about that later. Get in. You too, Miss Williams. I guess I haven't much choice. You haven't. You drive, Webster. I'll sit in back with Slug and our friends. No, I must show. Get going. Okay. Where are we going? Keep you from asking so many questions, Casey. Hit him with that gun. Give this babe the same slug. Sure. Right, Both out nice, boss. Head for the country, Web. When we get to a dark, decided road, I'm going to have some fun. This mug's finally coming, too, boss. You put real stuff behind that crack on the head you give me. Well, well, Casey, I thought for a while he killed you. I wouldn't do that, Miss Williams. Yet. You feel good enough to talk now, Casey? Is that talk, Lucky? Yeah. Where's my lucky penny? We don't know anything about a penny. Can it, Casey? I know you put Ella Logan up to stealing it. Lucky discovered his loss right after Ella left this afternoon. He's about to go after her when he had to... <laughs> A little lax. Never mind about that. Accidents can happen to anybody. Sure, Lucky, sure. Anyway, I had the foresight to go to a window and see Ella leave the building and get into a car. And you, Casey, were driving that car. After that, it was easy to add things up. Very easy. I know you, Casey, and I told Lucky. I'd have figured it if you hadn't told me, Webb. Casey, you had that thing steal my luck piece because you knew I'd go after it. And when I went after it, the cops were going to be around watching when I started to twist Ella's double-crossing neck. But I'm too smart for guys like you. I was waiting for you when you come out of the Blue Note Cafe. <laughs> and here you are. Now, where's my penny? I don't know. No? No. You'd better come clean. You've already searched him. You know he hasn't got it. You can tell me where it is and how to get it. I think... 
I mean, Lucky thinks that Ella wouldn't keep anything that belonged to him because, uh, well, for some unaccountable reason, she doesn't like him. That's right, Webb. Hey, this is a nice, lonely spot. Stop the car. Okay. Casey, I'm going to make you tell me where and how to get back my luck piece. Pull him out of the car, slug. Come on, guy. Come on. Casey, they'll talk to you. I got... I got no, no. Keep quiet, Ann. Big slug here will break every bone in your body, Casey. Slowly. If you don't I come... can't tell you anything I don't know. Big slug's an awful sap if he does anything for a boss who's lost his luck. Go to work on him, slug. Wait. Listen to me, slug. And you too, Webster. You guys have got brains. You taking orders from this dumbbell? Orders that may land you in the hot seat all because he's lost the penny? Hit him, slug. Hit him. No, don't hit him. Webster. So, Casey, Webb and me are listening. Slug! I knew you guys had sense. This jerk you worked for is washed up. All he ever had to keep him on top was a lousy copper luck piece, and he's lost it. He's sunk. He's through. That's a cockeyed lie. Slug and Webster don't think so, Carson. You're not lucky, Carson, anymore. Cut it. They're not saps enough to go through with your plan. They know every cop in every newspaper in town would go after our murderers and keep after them until they were caught. I've stood enough of this. You can't turn my guys against me, Casey. I'll show you. Webster. You shot him. Just you're going to shoot Casey. Yes, Miss Williams. Thanks, fella. You won't regret that. I'm sure I won't, Casey. I wanted to kill Lucky Carson for a long time. And this afternoon, Slug agreed that it was a nice idea. Yeah, a swell idea. Oh, gee, thanks. Thanks for saving our lives. Oh, don't thank us yet, Miss Williams. <laughs> or you, Casey. Why not? Uh, tell him, Webb. You and Miss Williams would prove awkward witnesses that Slug and I were brought to trial. Remember, I'm really a lawyer. You, you... I mean to become boss of the former Lucky Carson mob. Yeah, and when your dead bodies are found close to Lucky's, why, the cops will figure he shot you and you shot him. That's right, Slug. You see, uh, Casey and Miss Williams, we're going to kill you with a gun Lucky didn't have a chance to use. And then return the gun to his dead hand. The gun I shot him with will be found close to you. You get it? You shot him and he shot you. We get it. Oh, Casey. No. I don't see any way out of this one, kid. There isn't any way out. Pick up Lucky's gun slug and do the job. Oh, you thought up this swell idea, Webb. It's your right to do it. I don't mind. First, I'll put this gun that I shot Lucky with near Casey so that it will look as if he dropped it. Yeah. Just right about here. Now, you keep him covered, Slug, while I get Lucky's gun. No, you don't, Webb. Slug, Slug, what goes? You're the smart guy, Webb, but I'm smarter. I'm going to be the boss of this mob. No, don't shoot. Don't shoot. Well, he's done for him. Now, lady and Casey, I'm... Webster dropped his gun too close to me, Slug. Did you kill him, Casey? Did I kill him? I... I hope not, Annie. Hey, look, will you and see? I, I never shot a guy before. There are two great safeguards which protect you in buying prepared foods of any kind. One is the packer's name on the label. He spent a great deal of money in telling you about its quality because he believes in his product. He can't jeopardize for a single moment that enormous investment. The second safeguard which the Better Food Packers of America are bringing you in increasing numbers is the glass container. For the glass container lets you see exactly what you buy before you buy it. At a glance, you can judge the quality of fruits, vegetables, meats, and seafoods. And then, too, food packers know that glass won't affect taste or flavor you can safely reseal the glass container to store leftovers. Now, it'll pay you to shop for foods packed in glass and to let your retailer know that you prefer foods packed in glass. Crystal clear, sanitary, anchor glass containers, which bring you so many of the better brands of food, and the anchor vacuum caps, which protect them, are products of anchor hawking. The most famous name in glass.
Casey? No, Ethelbert, he'll live. Until he goes to the chair for killing Webster. And Webster killed Lucky Carson. The gang's washed up. That's right. But not quite the way Mr. Casey figured on washing it up. Hmm. Well, okay, Annie, rub it in. I can take it. <laughs> but I wasn't wrong about one thing, that Indian had Penny... If I hadn't put Ella up to taking it, Lucky and his mom might still be doing business, don't forget. You were wrong about that engine head penny itself, though. What do you mean? Huh? Miss Williams, less than half an hour after Casey gave me that thing, I got a phone call telling me I'd won a $25 silk hat on a ticket I bought for 50 cents. Casey! Ah, uh, silk? <laughs> You're like my sister Edna says, quote, even a penny can go to your head. Unquote. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor glass containers, anchor caps and closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Photographer is directed by John Deets. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. No one is safe from cancer. It strikes young and old, rich and poor alike. Help bring this vicious killer under control. Give to the American Cancer Society's Drive for Fun. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. April the 17th, 1947, that was Casey, crime photographer. If we've done an episode of Casey before on this program, it eludes me. Uh, One of the overlooked shows of the golden era of radio. It could be hit or miss at times, but I find the show compelling and interesting and definitely a change of pace for all of you old-time Radio Forever listeners. So after a short break from our sponsor, the Mermaid and the Lion podcast, we're going to have a Western. We're going to move to the Old West at Have Gun, Will Travel. Have Gun, Will Travel follows Paladin, a gun for hire in the Old West stationed out of beautiful and opulent San Francisco. The thing that made Paladin unique and special was that he was a gun for hire with a heart. So after a short break, we will go to 1958 with Have Gun, Will Travel on Old Time Radio Forever. Mermaid and the Lion. Mermaid and the Lion. Mermaid and the Lion. A Chevy 1500 had just made a left-hand turn, hitting me directly on the driver's side of my door on my small Dodge Stratus. My car went flying to the right, hitting electrical poles and finally pinning me between the posts of a corner gas station's price sign. I don't know what happened. But I was in a daze. People had started surrounding the car, bamming on the windows, asking if I was okay, but I couldn't speak. Then I heard my mom screaming my name through the phone. I could see it on the floor well of the passenger's side. I need to talk to her. 
I went to reach for it, then I felt excruciating pain travel from my neck down my spine. But something told me to keep going because I had to answer her. I grabbed the phone and told her I'd just been hit and my door was smashed in. I was trapped. Now I was really freaking out. I came here to tell you I'm not an executioner. It doesn't feel good to kill a man. Not a bit good. But your husband didn't leave me any choice. Have Gun. Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of a man called Paladin. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds wonderful. And then, Mr. Palace? And then, perhaps a cordial for a nightcap. I do believe I'll be looking forward to this evening a great deal, Mr. Paladin. I, too. Mr. Paladin. Oh, what? I've been looking for you. Uh, Let's find you. Hey, boy, your timing is abysmal. Oh, thank you, Mr. Paladin, but uh, credit must go to mailman. He just brings special delivery letter for you. (sighs) Excuse me, my dear. Oh, say, I'll meet you in the lounge later. Well, oh, she is very high dungeon. Dungeon? Yes, sir, that's what I say. Very high dungeon. Ah, dear Mr. Paladin, I need you for an important assignment immediately, and so forth. There's a $3,000 bonus for you upon completion. Something, something, something. I appreciate you seeing you at your earliest convenience, so... Very truly yours, E.J. Randolph, Coloma Bank. Coloma. Oh, you there not long ago, yes? Yes, about two months ago. Oh, ye. Ah, here are your two tickets for opera tonight. Take them back, hey, boy. Yes, Uh, what? I'm leaving for Coloma tonight. Oh, must be real big trouble to interfere with lady who was almost kissed. Wire Mr. Randolph. Tell him I'm on my way. Dandruff bothers most men, most women, too, so listen. Today, you can get rid of embarrassing dandruff in just three minutes. Yes, with Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo, unsightly dandruff's gone in three minutes. It's the quickest, easiest of all leading shampoos. That's not all. Using Fitch regularly is guaranteed to keep embarrassing dandruff away. Simply apply in the unique Fitch manner. Before you wet hair, rub in one minute. This way, Fitch Shampoo penetrates right down to the scalp. Next, add water. Lather one minute to wash every trace of dandruff out of your hair. Then rinse one minute. All that loosened dandruff goes down the drain. In three minutes with Fitch, one rubbing, one lathering, one rinsing, dandruff's gone. And never forget, gentle Fitch can also leave your hair up to 35% brighter. To get rid of dandruff problems forever, brighten hair too. Use Fitch regularly. Get Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo today, only 59 cents. Coloma was a poor excuse for a town. It's out alone and awkward in the center of a dry, scorched plain with a few ranches stretching back towards the low mesas behind it. I'd been there before and I killed a man there. I didn't like the town. I didn't like the people. But Randolph had offered me a lot of money. I found him sitting behind his desk at the bank. Well, Paladin, sure good to see you. Hello, Mr. Randolph. Uh, sit down, sit down. Thank you. Uh, uh, how about a little rye to cut the dust? Hmm? Yeah, I don't mind. 
Hey, didn't waste any time getting here. Uh, the distance between San Francisco and Coloma is shorter when there's a $3,000 fee involved. <laughs> right to the point. That's what I like about you, Paladin. That's why I sent for you. Well, here's luck. Thank you. <laughs> so, what can I do for you, Mr. Randolph? Uh... You did a job for John Griffin about two months ago. He hired you to bring back Steve Morrow. Remember him? You don't forget someone you've killed. Didn't mean any offense. No, no. I'm not offended. Morrow tried to kill me. I had to kill him. Griffin wanted Morrow because Morrow had killed his son. What's that got to do with you? Morrow robbed this bank before he killed that Griffin boy. He took $30,000. I still don't see the connection. Paladin, I've got to have that $30,000 back by the first of the month or I'll lose everything I own. And you need help? Yes. Yes, I need help. Badly. Fifteen years of hard work, building a business and a name for myself. Gone, just like that. Gone and signed over to John Griffin. John Griffin? How does he figure in this? Mm-hmm. He's the biggest depositor the bank has. He knows about the stolen money, and he's using that knowledge. He's given me notice that he wants to withdraw $30,000 on the first. If I don't have it, the deed to this building and most of the other property the bank owns will be signed over to him. And I don't have it, Mr. Paladin. Well, then, that makes my job fairly easy. Well, how's that? Find Morrow's widow. She must have the money, or at least know where it is. I don't think so. She's still living in that cabin up there on the mesa. Well, the sheriff and I have been up a dozen times searching the place, trying to talk her into telling us where it is. She hasn't got the money. If she had it, she'd have left Coloma and gone someplace else to spend it. Either that or at least paid up the back taxes on the farm. Huh. I thought for sure Rose had that money. Rose? Steve Morrow's widow. You mean Lucy Morrow. Her name's Lucy. Oh. Well, I'm going to check into the hotel and freshen up a bit. And then what? Ride out and talk to Lucy Morrow. Morning, Mr. Randolph. Yes? Good afternoon, Miss Morrow. I'm Paladin. Did you think I could forget you, Mr. Paladin? No, I suppose not. I'd like to talk to you, if I may. I'm going to work on the rose garden. You can talk there if you wish. Yes, I noticed them as I rode up. They're beautiful. They are. It's an eastern variety, Calinaris. Oh, Must be rather difficult to grow them out here. Oh, it's worth the trouble to have one lovely thing here. They were a present from Steve. He brought me some cuttings after one of his trips back east. Why have you stayed on here? Simple. There's nowhere else to go and no money to go with. Your husband took $30,000 from the Coloma Bank. It's never been found. This house was turned inside out. Do you think I'd be living here like this if I had $30,000? Perhaps not. I don't know anything about that money, Mr. Paladin. I don't mean to bother you, Miss Morrow. Why do you bother me, then? You knew this before you came out here. I killed Steve. If it hadn't been me, it would have been somebody else, somewhere else. He was an outlaw, a killer. I suppose I wanted to come here and tell you that I'm not an executioner. I was bringing him in, and he went for his gun. Doesn't feel good to kill a man. Not a bit good. I know you're not the kind to kill for the sake of another notch on your gun, but... Steve was my husband. Please don't come back here again. Or if you have to, wait until I'm gone. You're leaving? Yes. They're auctioning the place for $276 back taxes. Oh, don't look so pained. I'll get along. Maybe it'll be best. 
Get out of here, Paladin. Leave me alone, please. Good afternoon, Mrs. Morrow. I'm a mean widow, kid. And are you pleased with yourself? Sure, because I'm a germ, a bathroom germ. Bathrooms is where the meanest germs get to live. <laughs> Do I have fun causing odor and spreading disease? Well, you better watch out, son, or your landlady may find out about Lysol brand disinfectant. Lysol? Oh, Lysol. That's what I said, Lysol. Well, anyway, a lot of women are finding that a dash of Lysol in their cleaning sauce every week wipes out nasty bathroom disease germs like you, disinfects from one cleaning to the next as no other product can, wipes out many deadly viruses, too. Lysol makes every cleaner work better. It's the easy, modern way to get bathrooms really clean and free of odors. Lysol can do that? Mm, and what's more, now besides regular Lysol, there's a new sweet-smelling pine-scented Lysol. And they're both out to get you. Hey, was you ever a mean little kid? One more remark like that and I'll open this bottle of Lysol. Help! The Griffin Ranch was the same as it had been. Old and solid and well-kept. Run by a man who was old and solid and tough. A man who had lost one son by Steve Morrow's gun and had one son left. A man who could not forget or forgive. Well, you look about the same, Paladin. Come on in, set a spell. I'd just soon sit out here in the fresh air, Mr. Griffin. Fine, fine. What brings you back to these parts? $30,000. Stolen money, eh? A lot of people like to get their hands on that. You ought to have a pretty good idea where it might be. Why do you say that? Well, you were the last person to be with that murdering fool. The way I had it figured, Morrow had the money with him when you killed him. I uh, hear you've been living pretty high on the hog up in San Francisco. Those are harsh words, Griffin. Oh, no, no. Don't get itchy. I was just only joshing. You wouldn't be back here if you had it. Steve Morrow didn't have that money when I found him. And according to his wife, he didn't even have it when he left the farm. Oh, you talked to her? I just came from there. Well, it takes a lot of nerve for a man to go up and talk to the wife of somebody he killed. Hey, you suppose Steve Morrow hid it on that farm of his? Mr. Randolph and the sheriff searched it. I know. Old Randolph's getting fidgety. A while back, he got the idea that Morrow buried the money up on the mesa. <laughs> You never saw such digging and poking around. I swear the mesa's ten feet shorter on account of it. That farm adjoins your property, doesn't it? Yeah. On the south. Why? I hear it's up for auction. Should be worth at least a couple of thousand dollars to him. I'll get it for 276 taxes. <laughs> Someone will outbid you at that price. I don't reckon so, Paladin. Nobody else is going to bid on it. Those who can afford to bid on it don't have any use for that farm. Randolph might have use for it. Ah, that old pussyfoot. <laughs> he wouldn't know how to plant potatoes. He might know how to dig for stolen money. Hey, tell me something, Paladin. You working for Randolph? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, you are working for him. I might have known. You know, I just assume the money doesn't get back to the bank. Oh? I'd lose about $60,000 in holdings that belong to it. Those holdings will be mine come the first of the month. Oh, that's not a pretty way to talk, but at least it's the truth. I see. What happens to Randolph, then? Out. Out in the cold where he deserves to be. If I ran my ranch like he runs that bank, I'd have been out of business a long time ago. Well, getting close to sundown, I think I'll be heading back to town. No, Paladin, I hate to see a man like you working on the dark side of the fence. I thought you always roamed the green fields. Uh, which are the green fields, Griffin? Mine are. By the way, you buy that farm just for the taxes. Steve Morrow's widow won't get a cent. Well, now, ain't that a downright shame? She didn't kill your son, Griffin. No, but her husband did. All I hope is that his kin are going to suffer on account of it. 
That's how I feel about Morrow and her. Come in. Paladin? Well, Mr. Randolph. You, uh, make it a habit staying up this late? <laughs> I do my best thinking when the town's settled for the night. You've covered a lot of ground today. Getting discouraged? Did you come here to discourage me? There's a lot of territory between Coloma and the Mesa. Morrow could have hidden that money anywhere. Not without telling his wife. Now, since when does a killer stop to worry about his wife? Randolph, whatever you want to say about Morrow, he loved his wife. He'd have wanted to make sure she was provided for him. I even spoke about her when he was dying. His last words were, Rose, tell her that... Wait a minute. Tell her. What are you talking about? Randolph, that money's up there on the farm. You mean she does have it? She doesn't know it, but it's there. Where is it, then? Why, we've torn that place apart. You just didn't dig in the right spot. I'm going up there now and get your money. You wait here. It's one o'clock in the morning. And I'll be digging by two. Now, there's a luxury car that fits regular parking spaces in ordinary garages that's easy to handle in traffic. It's America's compact luxury car, the Ambassador by Rambler. Now, medium-priced car buyers can have the room, comfort, luxury, and performance they expect in a fine car, but without excessive length, width, and bulk. If other medium-priced cars have sized and priced you out of the market, then you owe it to yourself to test our best. American Motors' finest, the luxuriously compact ambassador. Note the quality construction and careful attention to detail. Thrill to the superbly responsive 270-horsepower V8 engine. Enjoy luxury features like individually adjustable front seats that glide back and forth separately. Five minutes at the wheel of an ambassador will change your ideas about luxury cars. Test our best, the Ambassador V8 by Rambler. Finest car ever priced so close to the lowest. See, drive the luxurious ambassador now at Rambler Dealers. When I dismounted at Lucy Morrow's, I thought I heard a horse nicker in a nearby clump of cottonwoods. I waited, but all was quiet except for the wind through the trees. Lucy Morrow was a light sleeper. She answered my second knock. What do you want? Uh, put the shotgun down, Miss Morrow. What are you doing here this time of night? The money. It's here on the farm. We've been through that before, Paladin. They ripped my place apart. Every floorboard, every inch of this cabin, the yard's full of holes. You saw it this afternoon. I know, Mrs. Morrow, but... The it... money isn't here. Look, this is my last night in the only home I ever had, and I don't mean to be bothered. Mrs. Morrow... Now get away from here before I blast that shirt right off your back. You wouldn't have to leave tomorrow if I find the money. I'm not wasting any more words with you. Miss Morrow... In your rose garden, is there a bush not doing well? Paladin, it's late and it's cold. Answer me, is there? Well, yes, there is one, but what's that got to do with the money? Flowers need soil at their roots, Ms. Morrow, not gold. What? You give me a shovel, I'll show you what I mean. You know, it took me a while to... Figure out that a dying man wouldn't call his wife Rose. Her name was Lucy. Hold the lamp a little closer. I think we've got it. Now. Yeah, this is it. The leather bag from the Coloma Bank. We'll open it. Yeah. Gold coins. $30,000 worth. Here in the Rose Garden all the time. Drop that. Huh? Raise your hands. What? Come on. Do what I say. Good. Now just stand steady. All right, Cleek. Let's move in. Keep that light high, woman, so as we can see you both. Lucy. Yes. When I say the word, throw that lamp at them high, eye level, then hit the ground fast. I'll say when. All right. Now. No more. Don't shoot again. Just stand easy, mister. 
You shot him. You shot my boy. I didn't have much choice. Cleet. Cleet, boy. He hurt bad. Uh, I'll, I'll be all right, Paul. I'll get you for this, Paladin. Don't try anything foolish, Mr. Griffin. You're already in enough trouble. I'm in trouble. Trying to hijack stolen money. Trespassing, attempted murder. Paladin. Paladin, there's someone coming. Oh, I heard him. I think it's Randolph. Randolph? He knew I was coming out here. He probably couldn't stand waiting in town. After all, the money belongs to his bank. Paladin! Paladin, you all right? Yes, we're all right. We're over here, Mr. Randolph. Well, what happened? What was all the shooting? Well, there was a little discussion as to who was going to get that bank's money. I won. You, you mean you have the money? You, you found it, all of it? I think so, yeah. Oh. oh, good. Good, that's it right now. Now, in regards to my fee, Mr. Randolph... Yes? I want you to give it to Lucy. What? Lucy? I think the woman ought to be able to keep her home if she wants to. At the auction tomorrow, you can decide whether you want to stay or leave this charming town. Thank you, Paladin. As for you, Griffin, get your boy back to your own ranch and bandage that leg of his. I don't think Lucy Morrow cares one way or the other what happens to you. Mr. Randolph wants to bring charges later. That's up to him. As for myself, I'm saying goodbye to Coloma for the last time. You are back, Mr. Paladin. And ready to see the city bright and shining. Oh, best you go away two, three more days, maybe. Why should I? Her. Who? Her. Her lady over there. He very unhappy when you will not take her to the opera. Well, didn't you explain it was business? Oh, yes, sir. Important business? <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, her business more important to her, I think, Mr. Paladin. Uh, it... He may be kill you, huh? I hope not. Well, the best way is the direct way. Excuse me. Hmm? Oh. I hope you missed me. <laughs> you did miss me. Oh. I have no other cheek to turn. Then kindly turn yourself around and leave me alone. Well, I can hardly do that. You see, I've thought of nothing and no one but you all this time. Really? Really. Am I to believe? You are to believe only that which will make you feel better and me feel better. And both of us enjoy a lovely evening together. That, to me, would be a simple solution. So? Dinner? Well... Please. You are a very... Convincing man. The current issue of TV Radio Mirror has a feature story on the man who portrays Paladin every Sunday night on CBS Radio, Mr. John Daner. Have gun, will travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman McDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin, with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Albert Alley and adapted for radio by John Dawson. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Eleanor Tannen, and Joseph Kearns. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. Thank you.